if I've been able to shift my mindset, if I've been able to start to teach that, then the idea that more women can live in this space where they feel more connected and this sense of tribe, then that is absolutely what I would love to do and share with the world. You're listening to the Start Right Now podcast. I'm your host, Chloe McKenzie, and I'm glad you're here for the epic conversations that will take you from aspiring to actualizing your dreams. Let's get started right now. Welcome to another episode of the Start Right Now podcast. Today is going to be an absolute treat. This is the first author that we've had on the show, um, but she is an absolute phenomenal woman. We're going to get into her story today, but let me tell you a little bit about who we're talking to. Leah JMD, and she is the founder and CEO of Conduit International Limited, a women's leadership, professional, and personal development company. She's an entrepreneur, a tribe formation expert, a leadership strategist, and so much more. You're going to hear more about her mission, which is to help others, especially women and girls, unlock the formula for building stronger personal and professional networks that she calls tribes. Leah has uh, over a 20-year career of being a trusted coach and advisor to clients, colleagues, executives, and leaders. And she really is going to share some very practical things that we can all implement on our journey to launching our thing, especially as it relates to forming really solid relationships and building a network that can help you to get there. So without further ado, Leah, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Absolutely. You are are one of our first international guests. I know you're based in beautiful, sunny Bermuda. Send us some heat. I actually like the cold, so I would be open to a visit if I could. So one day, one day, and I have family there. Love to visit. Lots of snow in Toronto, so come on, bring us some heat. We'll give you some cold back. We'll be in good shape. There you go. So Leah, with all of my guests, I like to get started with some rapid fire questions just to get the listeners to know a little bit more about you. So are you ready to roll? Ready or not, here we go. All right. Tell me, what are you working on right now? Figuring out how to keep up with all of the social media following my book launch. (laughs) It's a good problem to have. What is your superpower, if you had to say? My superpower, I call it a ranger. I have this gift for being able to do lots of things at once and keep them all in my head, which is a beautiful gift until it's not. Is that a strengths finder top five arranger? That is a strength finder top five arranger. And I max out very often. So I'm working on, you know, staying somewhere in the middle. It's one of my my top five as well. So I'm with you, girl. I'm with you. Um, <laughs> words that you live by. The words that I live by are track which is my core values, trust, tribe, excellence, resilience, and kindness. Those are the things that form the foundation of all of the work that I do and are a huge part of my life. Three words to describe your creative process. Organized, but still sporadic. (laughs) Organized, sporadic, and creative. I don't know. Like That's an interesting one. No, you asked me my creative process. You could throw creative in there. You're good. No, no. I'm going to say inspired because there are things that I do that just come out of nowhere. So the last word's inspired. I like it. And something that you can't live without. My, my iPhone, I live with it. We no longer have house phones and my entire life is wrapped up in this device. I cannot live without it. I know. Keep it close. I'm with you. So Leah, 
Assemble the Tribe. You just launched your book this week. Tell us a little bit about it. What's the book about and why did you write it? Assemble the Tribe. We launched yesterday. So, so, so excited. And Assemble the Tribe, if I had to sum it up in a few sentences, it's about how to unleash your unique value, redefine your female tribe, and reimagine how you show up in the world. So in its simplest form, that's what it is. But there's, of course, much more to it. Of course. There's a whole slew of things that I learned just in going through your book. It was an absolute pleasure to read as somebody who myself is working on deepening relationships. So as we think about this word tribe, tell us more. Why do we need tribes, especially as women? So I, I would frame it as right now, not only do we need tribes as women, but I think society needs tribes right now more than ever. And when I started to write the book, it was inspired. I had no idea what it was going to become, let alone that I would be releasing it in 2020 in the middle of a pandemic. And so the reasons why I think women and the world right now really need to think about tribes differently, it, there are three reasons for me. I call them my three R's. So the first is really about relationships, right? With COVID pushing us inside, with some of the political divides, with, you know, the natural disasters that we see happening around the world, you know, people are recovering from the pandemic or they've lost loved ones. How we connect and build relationships is incredibly important. And for those of your listeners who have kids, I mean, think about how this dynamic is shifting the very fabric of society and how they're growing up. So focusing on how we're building relationships while we're inside is I think critically important right now. The second reason that I think this book is so important for, for women is, you know, all of us at some point, you know, my, the research on my data would suggest that many of us have experienced rejection at some point in our lives, whether it was on the playground or in the corporate setting. And there is an awful lot of healing that needs to take place. And this year we saw, you know, one of the more sinister types of rejection that the world was grappling with, with the Black Lives Matter movement. And so again, we need to deal with these issues of rejection that we have felt um, both this year and, and in the past. And then the last reason why I think the book is important is I call it reliance. So whether we like it or not, the world relies on women in a way that is, I wouldn't say better, but it is different. You know, we're the mothers, we're the nurturers, which makes it a bit more complicated sometimes to navigate our professional lives and our personal lives. I believe though, given our makeup, we're almost 50% of the world's population, we have a unique opportunity to influence how we shape relationships and build relationships and create what I call tribes. So I think relationships, rejection, and reliance, those are three reasons why we absolutely need to have a conversation right now. I love that you've given people some tools with an actual formula here. So your formula being believe plus belong equals be different for how you can build a tribe. Can you break that down a little bit more for our listeners? Oh, absolutely. So I'll give you the short version of the breakdown, and then I'm going to just go through the pieces. So the idea with the formula is that if you believe in your value and you're able to find places to belong and experiencing belonging, you can use that belief and your belonging as a springboard um, to be open to more relationships. 
worst case scenario, you experience some of that rejection that I talked about, but best case scenario, you find some people that are kindred spirits and you add to your tribe. So that's the simple kind of explanation of the formula. But if you then go back and you start to break it apart, and I love the way that the words hung together in the end, you know, to believe in your value, value is its importance, its utility, its worth. And belief by definition is, interestingly enough, a habit of the mind in which you build trust and confidence in a person or a thing. So to believe in your value means that every day I have to wake up and I have to say, Leah, you have worth, you have utility, you have importance, and you have something to give to the world. And if you fundamentally don't believe that, then when you go into the next part of the formula, which is the places you find to belong and experience belonging, you're always going to be worried about how you're perceived and uncomfortable because you're not sure that you actually belong in the room. The way that I like to think about it is, you know, I'm not perfect. I don't know everything. I have an awful lot of growth to do. But when I go into a space, I do have gifts and I have strengths and I have value. And so if we're thinking about what value can I bring into a relationship, and that's the focus when we enter the room, that leaves us in a much better place to start those relationships. So that's part one. And then part two is belong and belonging. And I always like to make the distinction because you can belong to a place, but not experience the intimacy of belonging. And so with this new mindset that says I have value, I show up and I treat people the same way that I would want to be treated. And I go out of my way to to use behaviors to create that intimacy. And, you know, I always like to think about it from a corporate sense. One of the reasons why we're struggling with the whole diversity, equity, and inclusion conversation is because we're not necessarily fundamentally valuing the other person on the other side of the table like we should. And so mm. doing some of that is what creates that, that intimacy. Those things, as I said before, then become the springboard for this idea of being different. So what does being different mean? It means being open to new relationships. It means navigating the capacity issues that we have with more intention, right? So you and I were both busy. We don't have time to necessarily have deep relationships with every single person that we come into contact with. So what do we do with those relationships? right? And so the book talks about how we navigate some of those capacity issues. It focuses on how, how can you be kind? How can you be thoughtful? How can you have courageous, necessary conversations so that your relationships can stay healthy? So essentially, the be different part is a call to action um, to really bring those principles of belief and belonging to life in how you show up every day. Mm -hmm. Is that a specifically a woman challenge in terms of believing that you have something to offer a relationship, uh, really showing up and understanding you bring value to the conversation in your research? Is that something that came through as being very much a women thing versus something we see more from the men? Um, no, not at all. The, the formula itself is not gender specific. I had to choose a population to focus on for the book. So since I am a woman, I'm raising a daughter, I produce women's events. It's just something that I felt very passionate about. And I know a lot of us as women, we tend to struggle with. I've seen that practically play out um, as I've worked with women over the years. But, you know, the subject of how we build our tribes and the formula, it, it is not gender specific. And interestingly enough, with my 
launch, one of the groups that I've been incredibly surprised that seems to really be gravitating towards the message is girl dads. Hmm. So these dads who are raising daughters, they're reading the book and saying, I absolutely need this because I want to instill some of this thought process and thinking in the way that I raise my daughter, which for me is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, and then yesterday we had some guys on the, the launch and they said, you know what, this applies to me as well. So I think anyone can use the formula, but I geared it for women because again, back to my, my earlier point, we have an ability to influence in a way that's unique for us. And all of my work with women says that sometimes we just need to create these spaces for us to have our own conversation. I love that. As uh, somebody who's married to a girl dad, we have two daughters at home. I can appreciate the opportunity that we have to start from young in being able to show them the power of creating tribes and creating support around you for various uh, reasons in your life. So I'm going to be passing this along to my husband for sure. <laughs> now, we are in a time, not only we are in a global pandemic in 2020, where a lot of the relationships that we would have kept that relied on face-to-face -face interaction that would have had a lot more frequency, our relationships have largely moved online this year. And I wonder how we can still create opportunities to have a certain level of intimacy in our conversations and especially to be able to connect with new people when they're really just seeing what is our, our online personality, right? Um, how can we, in a practical way, still create space for going deeper in our relationships with people? So two things. While we're online, you can either say that it, it creates a barrier or you can see it as a vehicle to create connection. And so some of it is really just thinking about the medium differently. I was talking to somebody the other day and they said, you know, I always really thought that in order to have tribe and true relationship, I needed to have physical proximity. It's preferred, but we don't have to have it to create intimacy. And the second thing that I would say is you have to be intentional. You know, sometimes it means getting off of social media and picking up the phone and being very focused on a conversation with the person that you're either Zooming or calling. So for example, I have a friend, she lives on the other side of the United States of America, thousands of miles away. And we have a conversation for about an hour and a half, sometimes two every Friday morning. And for the most part, we don't break that. We have committed that we are going to make that connection every Friday morning. And we talk about everything from business to beliefs to faith. And that process of doing that for the last six months has created a level of intimacy in our relationship that we didn't experience when she was in my presence on a regular basis. So I just encourage people um, and, the, and, your, and your listeners to... Shift your mindset in terms of the medium and then create the time. And in my research for us as women, time is the number one barrier to building healthy tribes, whether we're inside or we're outside. So it's really about creating the space. I really like that reframe. And I, I like that you touch on the fact that 
through time with this person that you've mentioned, you've made the commitment on a pretty regular cadence to invest in the relationship and to to deepen that relationship. I thought it was really interesting in the book that you suggest that there are certain attributes we should be looking for in our relationships. We should have an idea of what do we want uh, a new connection to look like, feel like, um, just like we would in choosing our life partner. What are some of the things that we should be thinking about when it comes to considering what should my tribe look like? There's a model in the book that I use. I call it the dare. So I want you to dare to take a chance on creating your tribe. And um, it has four very simple steps in the process. So the first is to define the relationship. As you were just saying, when I want to build a tribe, so we're talking about people who want to create a tribe for the first time. You know, I need to define what I want. Do I want to have a book club? Do I want a girls group where we're going to hang out and talk about kids? Like, what is it that I want? Do I want a professional tribe where we're going to focus on and support each other on building our business? So you really need to know what it is. And the reason why that's important is because as people join, sometimes they can become disenfranchised or frustrated if they don't really understand what it is. So what is it? How often are we going to meet? So that's kind of the first step in your thinking. The second step that I would suggest is what I call activation, right? Because ideas are just ideas if you don't take action to bring them to life. And so somebody has to be responsible for bringing people together. So during COVID, I set up what I call a resistant tribe, which are people who come together under duress, right? So their pain <laughs> brings them together. We were all stuck inside. And I created this group and I decided when I set it up that I was going to be what I call the activator. I was going to do all the work to make sure that the group came together. And I don't do that in all instances, but I made that choice. At other times, I will recruit people to help me to say, hey, you know, I really want to do this. Are you guys open to helping activate? So there has to be um, a group or a person who's willing to accept that role. Because again, time is an issue. So that means somebody has to be committed to making it happen. The next step is once you've kind of thought through what it is, how you're going to make sure that it stays alive, the next step is to reach out. And in my research, most women, if asked, are either curious or very interested in a tribe. And sometimes when we reach out, we can actually change people's lives because you never know who's lonely. You never know who is looking for connection. And just that very um, step to reach out and ask um, can make a huge difference in building your tribe. And then the last step, which I know I've been guilty of skipping in the past, is once you've assembled and gotten all of these folks into your tribe, is to examine the individual motivations. And it's as simple as just asking the question, hey, here's what, here's why we're together. Is there anything that you want to get out of this that you know we haven't talked about? Um, doesn't necessarily work with large movements per se, but if you're putting together, you know, a small group of people, it's a really great question to ask. Because I've seen situations where, you know, I had more of a resistant group that had formed because of pain and then enter someone who just wanted to, you know, hang out and have fun and play games. But the group really needed to wrestle with some pretty deep emotional things. And so just examining motivation so that people can enjoy the space and it meets with their expectations. 
And that's really important because as busy women, we need to be in places that are filling us up with the thing that we need in that moment. So it's really important to have that examination. What are some of the ways that tribes have affected your life on a personal level? Oh my goodness, how have tribes not affected my life on a personal level? If we go back to the beginning and really talk about what tribe is, because I think that's where we have to start this this part of conversation. I think of tribe more as a mindset. It's a willingness to be open to people that you connect. And then you can have different tribes within that mindset. You can have professional tribes, life stage tribes, organic tribes. You can have relationships one-on-one. And that's not all of them. There are more in the book, but those are just, you know, a a couple as, as samples. But when I go back and I think about my own experience, there is very little that I have achieved on my own. Now, don't get me wrong. I am a really hard worker, almost to a fault. But the biggest successes that I've had in my life, whether it was, you know, my first job, that was because I was open and I took the time to build relationship. That's tribe. And then that person offered me a job. Um, When I started my first women's conference, I reached out to my friends who were part of my tribe and said, hey, what do you guys think about this? And they helped me bring it to life. Even with this book project that we just launched yesterday, yes, I wrote it, but there were so many people who poured into me, who completed research studies, who, you know, answered questions and helped me to get my thoughts and thinking in a succinct format such that I could share it with the world. There's very little that we do on our own. And if we do do it on our own, it's not to say that it's not valuable, but I've just find that it can be so much better if we leverage the collective genius of the people that we've chosen to be part of our tribes. I love that. And it's actually something I was going to ask you because this book is a new project for you. There's a lot of people listening that have endeavors to write books, to start business, to launch a creative project. What are some of the ways that, especially if you're somebody who has a hard time delegating and letting go of all the pieces of your project, what advice would you give to them to be able to leverage this idea of tribe to be able to launch the projects that's on their heart? So I was talking to a group of women entrepreneurs yesterday. um, And one of the things that we I shared is that our tribes can create capacity. And so the question is, what does that mean? If you have your own business or you're very busy and you have this passion project, there there's often quite a lot that you need to learn in order to get started. So if you think about writing a book, there's, you know, advice about publishing and write and structuring the book. And um, how do you get the book to market? And I just, just, You could literally, if you go on the internet, you could literally spend years researching how to get it done. And so I don't have years. I took some time off to write the book. And my plan was that when I got to a certain date, the book would be finished. So that was my goal. And so I said, I don't have time to study as much as I would like to, to figure out how to do all of this. And so what did I do? I started to talk to people you know, who do you know that's written a book? Have you written a book? I found out my hygienist has written a book for children and she told me all about her process. I have another girlfriend who had a friend who has written a best-selling book and she's been a TEDx speaker. I called her up and I said, hey, can I talk to you about it? And so very quickly by tapping into this power of tribe, I was able to 
not necessarily eliminate all of my own research, but I was definitely able to cut down the process um, and the amount of time. So our tribes, they're not necessarily going to do the work for us, but they can give us information that creates capacity for us to focus on the thing that we're most passionate about. So, you know, I met a woman through a friend of mine and she was kind enough just to sit down with me and have a conversation. And then a few months later, I called her and I said, hey, who are you using for your publisher? And she told me about the research because she was a researcher. She told me about the process that she went through. So I said, well, if you did all of that work, who did you end up going with? And so then I put that company into my short list and ultimately ended up going with that company. And I've been extremely happy. That's Tribe. So, so good. I love how you broke that down for us because I think uh, a lot of people are struggling with this for sure. What was most surprising for you in your research um, when you came to the end of this book? What were you surprised to learn? I think that there's a couple of things. One, when I started the project, I thought that a tribe was just a group of women like if, if you're in the context of female tribes. So that idea that at its highest level, tribe is a mindset, it's a way of thinking, it's a way of how we navigate our relationships. That was a big aha for me. And to go from a place of, I found my tribe, because I have this group of women, we've been traveling life together for nearly 20 years. I found my tribe and so I'm safe to I found my tribe and so now I'm free to engage in any relationship that I want without fear of rejection because I believe I have value. I've invested the time in this relationship with this incredible group of women and I have lots of one-on-one friends as well. And so I don't really have to worry if I, you know, if, if it doesn't work, that's okay. So just kind of this opening of my own mindset um, in the process of writing the book has been incredible. And then in terms of my own research, which was a proprietary study with 1,200 women specifically digging into their experiences with groups. And what was surprising to me is that I looked at eight different demographics and there was no acute statistical differences based on the demographics, which said to me that we are more alike than we are different. So for example, um, (laughs) while I was writing uh, the chapter about the dark side, which is about the challenges that we have in relationships, I was traveling back from Spain and sitting next to a group of women from the Middle East. And interestingly enough, of course, we got in conversation about what we were working on. And then I told her and I said, yeah, I'm just working on this chapter about, you know, the challenges that we have in relationships as women. And she, you know, she said to me, actually, that's why we're on this trip. We we kind of separated for a, a bit of time due to a misunderstanding. And so this is the first time that we've traveled together. This is our girl's trip. And, you know, she lives worlds away from me, but yet she has some of the same issues that my friends experience in Bermuda or your friends experience in Toronto. And so that was really cool just to know that we are more alike than we're different. It said to me, I can write this book for all women. Then there was just really all of the research around rejection and the fact that not only most women have experienced rejection, but it happens when we're quite young. 
And so the impact on childhood rejection was something that was really eliminated for me, right? 71% of all women have felt rejection, 50% under the age of 18, 25% under the age of 12. And then when I asked the women, did you have the opportunity to observe positive female relationships, you know, through your mom or your aunts, less than 50% said yes. Mm. And so that really illuminated the severity of the issue for us as women and maybe some of the pain and fear that we're carrying around with us. And so that made me more energetic about the project because if I've been able to shift my mindset, if I've been able to start to teach that to my daughters and share that with my friends, then the idea that more women can live in this space where you know they feel more connected and this sense of tribe, then that is absolutely what I would love to do and share with the world. What advice would you give to the parents who are listening, the moms, the people who are raising daughters of their own? Um, what can we teach them to teach their daughters about tribe? Well, I think first and foremost, I would suggest to any parent read the book. <laughs> but I, I have a daughter. She is, she's 12. She'll be 13 in a couple weeks. And, you know, the number one thing that I want to teach her is that she has value and that she has to practice that every day. And so we talk about what that means and, and don't get me wrong. She's young. So she still has her struggles from day to day, which just reminds me that it is a constant habit and reinforcement um, process that we have to build in her DNA. So I want her to continue to internalize and think about what that means for her. The other thing that I've tried to steer her around is this idea of a best friend, right? Now the research will show that children who have at least one best friend are more resilient, but what happens is if that relationship doesn't work, that has such an incredibly crushing effect on a child. And so we talk about her friend circle and who are all of the people that she wants to connect with or maybe wants to try to build relationship with. And as a, as a parent, I've been trying to make the space for her to nurture those relationships because we send our kids to school and we expect that they're going to build those relationships at school. Well, think about it. When you and I get to work, we do build some relationships at work, but the relationships that go deeper and are more sustaining, usually there's time that you invest outside of work. And so why would it be any different for our children? So I have to, you know, make the run, have the kids over. And so we try to leave our house, you know, have a, a very open door policy here in the context of that whole best friend thing and making sure that you're building a tribe. When you're having an issue with a person, I've been trying to teach her, don't forget that there are still other people that care about you, you know, because usually with kids, if they experience rejection, the whole world starts to crumble. And so I'll say, well, what about this person? And what about that person? You still have them. Why don't you spend some time with them while you're working on the other relationship? And I actually quote her in the book where she says, you know what, mommy? She said, when you have these difficult situations, you should remember that you have other people who care about you. And sometimes when you have difficult situations, if you can recover, it will actually make your relationship stronger. Now, she says it. Not exactly like that, but it's close. It almost blew me away. She's 12. 
Very wise young woman, <laughs> for sure. Well, there's so much that we can take away from this book in terms of our professional goals, our businesses, and how we leverage support of the people around us as part of our tribes and as parents. So please tell us, where can people get their hands on a copy of your book? So the book is available on Amazon.com. We made it to bestseller yesterday. Yes. So we're very excited, but it's on Amazon.com. And if you want, you can also visit my website, which is assemblethetribe.com. And that will take you into the book page and you'll also have access to my full website. But from the book site, you can access Amazon, you can download a free copy of the intro and the first chapter. And you can also take my free tribe assessment because I want people to start shifting their mindset and thinking about the ways that they can show up differently from day one. And so it's just a very brief assessment. You'll get a score at the end. And I just suggest that people think about the questions as they go through. There's usually something that will jump out for every single person that, hmm, I might be able to do that a little bit differently. That is awesome. Congratulations on the bestseller status. Yay, thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. That is wonderful. Well, this has been such a productive conversation. I know for me, just really having an understanding of the difference between a tribe and simply that group of people that are around your life and how I can take some time to really invest in the relationships is going to be so critical for me. And I know it's going to be helpful for our listeners as well. So thank you for the conversation today. I have absolutely enjoyed being here. Thank you for having me. Hope you love this episode. Get started right now. <laughs>